0: So I started looking into more natural ways of keeping <laughs> and invest um, significant kind of financially or, or a lot of time manufacturing your own um, hives. Oh, it's, yeah, my wife came up with it. It's no stings attached. So yeah, it's kind of.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Permaculture Vine podcast. And today we have Mark Payne, uh, uh, thanks very much for agreeing to come on. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, about all the bees and about your permaculture journey. Do you want to just give us a quick introduction there, please?
0: Yeah, um, well, yeah, like I originally started doing a lot of gardening with the influence of my uh, my parents and just grew up kind of growing bits and pieces of food around the pro- like the property that we lived on. It was only you know, kind of a small kind of suburban sort of lot and uh, never really... Thought that gardening was much more than just yeah poking a few seeds in and yeah and away we go and seeing what happened, um, but yeah, kind of gradually grew more and more uh, food for myself as as I've kind of grown up and then stumbled across permaculture. Oh, I'd be probably five years ago, um, and at the same time, kind of started with uh, exploring bees because I was growing trying to grow all this food and. Wondering why things weren't being pollinated in my garden. And it was just that we didn't have any bees at the time. And so, yeah, started on my journey with beekeeping and permaculture kind of at the same time. Um, did a few permaculture courses, but yeah, kind of struggled to connect the dots at the start and didn't realize how big the scope of permaculture really was. And then since, yeah, probably the last couple of years started taking it that little bit more seriously and trying to think about how permaculture interacts with everything. So it's like, how do you run your business as a like in a permaculture framework instead of just, oh, I'm running a business that's about permaculture. It's yeah, kind of really trying to make it the center of what you do. So um, yeah. And then from the beekeeping kind of started with honeybees, which in Australia, they're introduced species. So they're like heavily um, in like they're really important uh, species in Australia but um, yeah kind of really wanted to find out a little bit more about the native pollinators that currently exist so that's kind of where my journeys led to now and I've started kind of a business um, yeah fostering and kind of bee farming as I call it to the kids when when I go do school workshops um, which is yeah like another important part of what I do uh, but yeah like so yeah bee farmer and um, yeah particularly the native native bees yeah, that's great. We'll we we'll, we'll dive into that a bit more. Uh yeah
1: later. Let's let's start. You said you, you sort of more on the permaculture about five years ago. Do you want to tell us how, how that came about?
0: Oh, I'm trying to even think of what originally sparked it, but um I remember watching heaps of just videos about different gardening kind of techniques, and it seems like certain people just had a different um, a completely different view, like worldview on gardening. Um, And it was no longer just a gardening um, like technique, it became much more. And that's I think I think I probably stumbled across um, Jeff Lawton or someone like that, like he's a pretty kind of enthusiastic dude. (laughs) And he kind of he really sold the permaculture thing, I think, to me, to begin with Um, that. Yeah, it's 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 a design science rather than just a gardening activity uh in itself
1: yeah the garden garden's always a good place to start though
0: <laughs> oh exactly yeah. and it's where you end up like you end up back in your garden <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> you, can't, you can't separate uh yeah um your life from gardening basically at the end of the day it's yeah it's the sustenance yeah so uh, you did the you did you did the
1: jeff lawton's online pdc did you yeah yep yep was, i did that that, that. Was, that was 2019 a couple of years it? ago
0: yeah yeah it was just before just before the pandemic kind of um yeah so yeah, yeah. It was, it was, Th- that's the same it class I was really- in. <laughs> oh cool <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> i stayed pretty quiet i feel like so many people had other questions but i just kind of i was just trying to absorb as much as i could like there was just so much information presented it was hard to really yeah really deep dive into a lot of it but yeah it was really really good yeah.
1: I was like, yeah, I, I kept pretty
0: quiet as well. I normally do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then
1: things. But uh, how, how did you find doing it online and how did you find the course?
0: Uh, like I really enjoyed it. Uh, like it has two aspects, like doing it online is great because you can revisit a lot of the stuff. Like if, if you didn't fully absorb it, you could go back and watch the videos again. And I think the con there was way more content than what you'd probably get in a seven day permaculture course but um yeah I just struggled a little bit implementing it when where we were um at the time it was just a bit yeah a bit hard like we just had I think our second child or like and our our twins were on the way at the time it was just like life was a bit hectic and so it was more just watching the videos at the time and then I've gradually like yeah starting to see how those ideas are now infecting me in my uh business at the moment so yeah yeah like i i found it somewhere basic because i i
1: couldn't really take two weeks off and leave the kids mm. and go to a pdc <laughs> it was just not happening so yeah. i f- i found it a great way to get one and then uh she said a lot of content a lot of uh, just videos and uh, and a lot mm. of stuff exposure to a lot of stuff which you're right you wouldn't get in a, in a face-to-face but then it's implemented then after um yeah. so what did you do after your pdc then is this did you have your business going your your we still you running your bee business when
0: you were with no. the pdc um i think shortly after that i started working on a farm looking after their native bees um like yeah just kind of close um, to home and they had yeah a couple of hundred native beehives on a macadamia farm um, and i was just doing the routine sort of maintenance looking after them Um, and I have done that up until probably, yeah, late last year. And that was just, that was the real beginning of my business, but it's, yeah, since dropping that it's been launched straight into what I'm doing now, which is, yeah, kind of my own thing. Um, but yeah, like it was, I think, I think the course kind of inspired me to have a little go, like I'd always wanted to be like an agricultural sort of worker, but never really thought that I could make it happen, but, um, the bees really was kind of a, yeah, halfway point as, um, yeah, as such. So, and did you have any previous business experience or? Uh, oh, I've like, um, I've been a music tutor, like I I work in schools, um, but kind of, I run my own business, teaching kids drums and guitar. Um, so that's kind of been my background, uh, business sort of experience and yeah, just, so I know a little bit about it, but it's the bees thing is kind of a whole nother scale. Like it's just kind of man like yeah, in Australia, like the the sorts of um, tax kind of implication around primary production, like and agriculture and that is like is really specific. So you've got to be, yeah, all over like the kind of the numbers sides of everything, which is yeah, a bit of a challenge for me, but it's it's all part of it. So
1: So how how does somebody uh so, uh, how does somebody get into into the bees? How did you actually just start? You said you had an interest, and in did you just did you buy a hive? Did you do a course? Did you? How did it start? Yeah. Interest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, like in, um, I think in the beginning, yeah, I bought a, a honeybee hive, like because I didn't, I had no idea that Australia had native bees, like I'd I'd grown up yeah, getting stung by a honeybee and thinking that that was the only bee that existed in the world. Um, but it wasn't until after a while, like of, of managing the honeybees that I was like, man, this is like really intensive work. And it and it did qu- didn't quite seem like they were fully suited for the climate where we were. Um, there was just a heap of pest pressure that existed that I was like, oh, surely this isn't natural. Um, and so i started looking into more natural ways of keeping honeybees and then stumbled across natives and yeah once i kind of fell down the rabbit hole and bought my first native beehive it was just like that was kind of the end and, then, and now it's it's become the focus so yeah that was how i started
1: great uh and then how so how does this tie in maybe so could you tell us, right? So if I'm if I'm wanting to get into bees, so what would you advise me to do if I wanted to just start and then make it a business? Would you have any advice for someone starting? Um,
0: yeah, that's a good question. I'm like, I think Australia, like Australia's, like obviously a little bit different. We've got different types of native bees. So, um, yeah, like bee beekeeping per se is like. It seems to be one of those big, big investment sorts of businesses. Like if you're going to start a permaculture business, if you start a market garden, you could lease land off someone and start really small scale. But it feels like beekeeping—you've got to nearly go in, go in a little bit to <laughs> and invest um, significant kind of financially or or a lot of time manufacturing your own um, hives and um, and that sort of thing. So I'm really I'd really encourage people probably to pursue something completely different um, in terms of like I the other sort of native bees and like heaps of people have seen them. But um, I don't know if you can see that, but that's this is my newest like little thing that's like trying to introduce people to bees on a really small scale um, and encouraging diversity rather than um, just mass populations for the same type of bee because that's a lot of the time when we whenever we like think start a business it's it ends up being just this monoculture sort of uh yeah feeling because we go oh this this particular bee we can make money out of or whatever um and so we'll just reproduce propagate those bees heaps um and then uh, and then we'll be able to make money out of the business. But it's not necessarily the best thing for the environment, having a like 100 native beehives just in one location. Um, so, yeah, I'm like, it's a tough one. Like, I, there's probably need more need for commercial native bee guys, but it'd be, it's a really hard thing to get into, um, particularly because it's hard to buy native beehives at the moment. Like, it's hard to, like buy a massive load of stock to be able to um, offer different services. So yeah, it, you'd have to really probably get in with someone. And I'd, I'd recommend, yeah, a couple of years, just trying things at home um, and even probably partnering with someone else in the industry to really get a kickstart. I think that was the thing that really helped me was kind of being mentored a little bit and learning on the job because it's not really a career path as, as such. Um, at this point in time anyway hopefully it is in the future <laughs> but yeah but yeah the the kind of solitary bees is the other type of native bee that like they exist everywhere in the world in lots of places in the world but in australia we just have a, a multitude of them and they're yeah, they're so in need of uh, like more habitat uh than yeah potentially like at the moment the stingless bees which are the, the native bees i deal with they're it's kind of like the public's caught on to the the need for more native bees, but it's still solitary bees are a bit of that like, oh, does anyone even know what a solitary bee is? We get confused about them. They're small, so it's like people will be like, oh, it's a fly or an ant or something, let's kill it and that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, but there's scope for lots of different areas in in beekeeping, I think, but it's just trying to come up with your own niche so that you're not just replicating another commercial production really yeah
1: yeah and now, do you um uh, so you manage your own hives as well
0: yeah yep yeah I've moved in like I uh bought a lot of stock off the farm that I was working at um when I finished up there they um they're moving out of macadamia so they didn't have the need for the the bees on the farm anymore um so yeah like I purchased a lot of stock there so I managed my hives um, I help people who have bought hives previously um, with their management at home. And um, yeah, occasionally I'll still work for other beekeepers in the area as well, just to kind of fill it out.
1: Yeah, that's good. So it, uh, it seems as if you've sort of fallen under it. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but it's, yeah. what I, I think noticing the pattern is it's, its being just being active and doing things, these things tend to fall in their place anyway
0: yeah like you just gotta yeah it is a bit of right place at the right time i think (laughs) it's kind of but and being open to yeah to opportunities as well like not yeah kind of seeing that there's positive uh, movement in different spaces so because like i would have originally i think the idea of working on a macadamia farm with how much they spray and everything like would really have like gotten in the way of me wanting to do it originally but um i was so glad that i kind of got over that aspect and and just had a go like because it's yeah kind of propelled me into where i am now so
1: yeah and you have so you're uh you still doing the drums and and the music stuff
0: oh a small amount it's not like i'm really trying to hit yeah hit the bees up as my full-time gig um but yeah it's still just we've got We've got five kids, my wife and I, so it's kind of, it's been a big, um, I probably feel the risk more, but just that, that, yeah, they're kind of going, you need to provide for your family and, um, do the right thing by them. So it's just, I'm just holding on to a little bit of teaching just as, as my kind of the safety net per se, uh, for money coming in. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll move into the bees full time.
1: Yeah. Um, so what's all the, so you have different income screen, then you said you managed, you still manage some hives up until recently, you have your own yep. hives. Is that a product you have there that you sell?
0: Yeah. So like the native bee industry is pretty, like it's still emerging in Australia. So, um, the main like money maker is selling hives, um, just to the general public sort of thing. And cause people are starting to go, they, they don't sting. So anyone can kind of have them in their backyard and they don't pose any threats um, or like they don't create issues and they're native. So it's kind of like people are really getting on the bandwagon for that. So it's really, you're kind of introducing people to, um, I think someone coined it like a pet trade, nearly like we're selling like a different, uh, a pet with a purpose. Um, so yeah. And then that's kind of the main income at the moment. And then I do like taking my education, background, I do workshops in, in kind of preschools, schools and, um, yeah, and educate adults a bit, uh, about, about bees and just trying to get people a bit more aware that native bees are important too. So like, yeah. And try and change that perception that the, the honeybee is kind of the be all and end all, um, so yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's a, uh, which is good. You put mul- multiple income streams and then multiple interest as well to keep that uh yeah. the different types of bees the biodiversity up mm, um mm. and do you, do you have your own uh, do you have your own garden
0: yeah yeah we live on about an acre um just like we're in the the tweed shire which is on, right on the border of queensland and new south wales so it's subtropical sort of um climate um that's a funny thing actually like jeff lawton you do his course. And I, I think I'm probably only an hour from his place, but it was still at the time it was still too limiting to go and spend a full seven days there. Like it, it felt so funny doing his course, knowing that, yeah, it was recorded probably only just down the road, but, but, but yeah, like, yeah, it was just funny, but yeah, that's yeah. So we've got our own garden, um, which yeah, like we practice, uh, all sorts of different like permaculture techniques with in our garden. Um, really loving um like syntropic agroforestry like that seems to be a bit of a, a hit in the tropical climates at the moment um using eucalypts and and that sort of thing to be the canopy and um yeah just and providing your mulch like that's one of the biggest things that i'm doing at home at the moment it's really quick but it's a bit more um what do you call it like fine tuned than food forest sorts of um plantings like you're still back to planting in rows but you're using yeah so you're making it just a little bit more efficient than than kind of food forests per se so
1: yeah i've seen this Tropic stuff um it's it's very interesting uh the 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 layers and the time you see you're designing over time and uh, yeah
0: it's it was such a hard thing to get into at the start. I just fully didn't get it um, and like planted a couple of different things and just completely screwed it up. And then like <laughs> I've gone back and gone, Oh wow, this like really works when, yeah, when you get the timing right. And when you have enough um, kind of mulch being created that you're not using any inputs, like it's, it's pretty phenomenal really. Like I, I, I feel like the, the idea really birthed out of, Permaculture food forest, sort of thing, but it's yeah, taking it to the next level. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that for my climate. Um, where uh, <laughs> there is there is some work going on to centropic temperate, uh, centropic agriculture, agroforestry, in temperate climates, but um, I may, I may do it when I get more land. So, I, uh, I have an acre that's quite a lot. Uh, mm. and i money. Do you want to tell us what you grow there? So, you do the centropic stuff, do you grow your own? Rule crops family food
0: yeah like I've got I've got a couple of wicking beds like old um what do you call it those uh water containers like cut in half sort of thing like I grow a lot of just like the basic kind of veg like your peas and beans the annuals like in that sort of setup because it's really like easy and um contained like and then we've got more like a standard orchards set up within this in tropics. So we kind of yeah, grow like it's all in its infancy. I've probably planted maybe like two years ago the main stuff. Um, so we're just starting to get like the first fruits of a lot of the things. But um, I've invested pretty like hard in a lot of tropical root crops like um, taro and cassava and that sort of thing. Just as like emergency things, the kids <laughs> really don't eat them just yet. But uh, hopefully, the like I can gradually start to introduce and change their taste buds over time. But it's um they just grow so well where we are. Like I've tried growing potatoes like every year since I was probably like ten, and it's just it just doesn't translate to growing a subtropical root crop. That just seems to just love it. Um, yeah, with no pests or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, like um trying to think, put me on spot a little bit <laughs> with the growing. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, oh, we grow a lot of bananas. Bananas is like the next, probably, like favorite thing that I like to grow. Dragon fruits, are another kind of subtropical fruit. They kind of look like a kiwi fruit inside, um but can be heaps of different colors. And they grow on like a really spiky cactus sort of vine. Um, yeah. It's like, so yeah, the, the fruit, fruit stuff's really in its infancy. Like I think our property had maybe six custard apple trees, which are like, um, probably like 30 years old and they produce quite well. Um, so we, yeah, we use them a fair bit and sell them to neighbors and that sort of thing, (laughs) but yeah, it's kind of, I'm just, I just can't wait for the, yeah. Like, like a lot of those fruit trees to really kick into gear in a couple of years time and. Uh, start producing like way more than what we get out of them. So yeah,
1: that's that's uh I I I prefer the perennial stuff too. It's less work. Mm. Uh, uh as you say you get you, you get it up but the the centropic stuff really is really fascinating. Uh it's hard mm. to get hard to get information on it. It's, well it's not so easy and I mean it's it's still quite new I think there's a lot of stuff in Portuguese if you speak Portuguese.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Um, that was the main barrier, but there's lots of guys that are practicing it like in the local area here that have like kind of pioneered, um, the, yeah, the different crops. So we all kind of are now a bit more aware of what really does grow well in, in our areas. But yeah, like you said, it's a bit, it is a bit limited to the subtropics at the moment. And it's kind of waiting for someone to really come through with, yeah, like the knowledge and the, um, just the practical application of it in in um yeah just the different climates Mm. yeah arid particularly like I think arid climates would probably work really well it's just trying to pick the right species and probably giving yourself a little bit more grace and going oh it might take longer um and we might have to use yeah a lot more weed species at the start to really turn things over so yeah uh did you
1: ever get a run out did you have uh Jeff's place the tuna farm did you ever go out after your PDC
0: no I've kind of it's been on the on the list I like I I see the farm tours come up and I kind of do want to go down and yeah have a go but it's (laughs) it's just that uh like I think after doing the course you kind of go you've seen a lot of what they do there um so I don't know that I'd have that many questions like there's a few other um yeah different sorts of farms that I'd probably really love to go to like because because I'm really more suburban based like it's like I'd love to see just the more intensive sorts of um yeah examples of permaculture doing really well because that's where like yeah I think 90% of people have kind of are going to be is in in the suburbs or in the cities and it's kind of like it's got to work in small space or like or nah. yeah like or we're still relying on those like the bigger um produces outside kind of the main areas and so it's yeah it's just more travel more um yeah more risk that things can go wrong <laughs> in the process
1: yeah well i think the small spaces are the most productive mm. spend time on them and especially if you're doing this tropical well i wouldn't consider an acre small <laughs> <laughs> my whole, my whole property is a tenth of an acre
0: uh, yeah uh, yeah well like i I always see just yeah like like the Jeffs who like live on them like the massive kind of the what I kind of call farms like where it's yeah multi multi sorts of dwellings um, and yeah bigger areas so you can kind of let areas go back to the wild kind of nearly completely and um you, yeah you're managing water just on a completely different level not not that like the all the same theories. Are really important in the small spaces but it's just yeah it's just like managing it on such a different level so
1: yeah no, it's good you're lucky lucky you have a an acre i'm hoping yeah oh we're very very blessed (laughs) (laughs) um so you mentioned at the start there um about uh now you're not just running a permaculture business but uh employing the permaculture in the running of your business do you want to talk more Mm. about that and tell us more what your phone?
0: Yeah. Um, so like specifically uh, the one of the major things that I've uh, noticed in the start was um, like, obviously I can't have the numbers of bees that I manage all on my property at home. So I have kind of, I've kind of tried to think about it in terms of the zone mentality that we go, Oh, zone one is like, is, is your kitchen garden or whatever um and then you've kind of branching out as the things that you visit less frequently so i've tried to position my hives a little bit like that so all the the ones that i need to check regularly i'll have them at my place so that it's like they're right there i'm not wasting time driving or um yeah kind of transporting bees around just to like to see them and then the ones that are a bit more established healthier can be Um, can be those further distances. But then even I kind of took that mentality at the start and then have even taken it onto one more scale uh, just in the last couple of weeks of going like, I thought I had all these really great locations for bees, but some of them were like half an hour drive from my place. And I was kind of like driving all over the place just to go and visit my bees. Um, And it'd still take me over a day to visit all the different sites, which I was like, I need to, scale it back in and i kept on going oh like the suburb that i live in is just amazingly intrigued and there's lots of other similar properties to mine where i keep quite high numbers on my property so I was like why don't i <laughs> why don't i put bees all through my suburb keep it super local um, so i'm kind of supporting that uh, the local food production if people have got their own garden at home and they want to increase their pollination they can host my bees at their house in kind of smallish numbers, but it means they're only like a minute from my place, so I can check yeah tons of hives in 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 half the time that I used to be able to so that's kind of the the main. Um, th- ways that i've seen like the zone uh, thinking applied to beekeeping uh, in yeah in Australia, the other. it's kind of really. It's really kind of hard, yeah, hard to explain, but the, um, there's lots of different kind of layers of permaculture and the main one was kind of like, are we looking after kind of the people, the animals and the planet at the same time, like often humans kind of get one of those really good and the other two are compromised um, and or, yeah, like vice versa. So they might be like really looking after the people in the world. <laughs> at the expense of the animals and, uh, and the earth, uh, or they might be going, Oh, I'm really pro animals, but they're not really integrating it. Well, um, with, yeah, with with the planet. And it's like where it's at the compromise, um, or people are at the compromise and your relationships suffer because you're too focused on, on your animals. So it's like, I'm kind of seeing how, yeah, it's just really good. Uh, yeah. Ethics for life as far as going, yeah the business is our mode of income but it's like it can't compromise the home relationships that we have um and also like am I doing things that are damaging to the environment as a part of the business so trying to like like with the transporting the hives going how can I move it so that they're all closer so I'm not driving as many kilometers just to um, to do the same job as I could be locally and even the one other thing that I've been tossing over the last couple of weeks is just the ethics of like, and I mentioned it a little bit before, but like of, yeah, just overpopulating one species of animal. It's kind of, it's one of those things that we, yeah, we tend to do, like we just get too excited about one idea and it's, it's pretty easy to do. And we just go, this is great. Let's just replicate, 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 instead of going, This is great but we don't need to overdo it and we need to still um, bring about balance between the species so yeah that's kind of the main ways that i'm seeing permaculture filter into my business also like yeah just ethics around money um how much do you really need to earn to have a decent life um yeah there's all these kind of just basic questions that you got to ask yourself and um yeah it's kind of a really yeah humbling experience to go yeah, like I, you've got ambition, but it's not unrestrained. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, no, that, that's that's uh, that, a bit that of a is ramble, true. But... <laughs> it's uh, no, it's 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 what what we're uh, you're accepting feedback, you're observing, you're constantly monitoring, you're not just tunnel vision going right, beast. Let's get this amazing hives. Mm. It's a good thing that you're. It's a good lesson for people. I think that you could share that. It. Basically, it's not all about I don't know getting rich and. You have to have some exactly.
0: Um, yeah,
1: you're doing good, and you're thinking, you're you're conscious, you're doing these things consciously, um uh, which is very important.
0: Yeah, like a lot of the the other startups, like not to bag them, but it's like a lot of other start like permaculture startups can kind of end up, yeah, just getting down that train of just becomes just a money machine, and um, and it's kind of great that they're getting the permaculture message out, but you kind of go, yeah, is there a restraint? And yeah we needed yeah, yeah to stop and ask ourselves really what's what's the most important thing um and that's why I like the other like thing that i'm kind of hoping to do soon these ones <laughs> i kind of this is my product uh what do you call it um this is my paid advertisement so tell us all about yeah, it <laughs> like, it's um I, I wanted to kind of come up with a bee hotel that actually worked in, in australia we have like bunnings is the um uh like the hardware store i don't know what they have in the uk or but like bunnings sell these really dodgy bee hotels that are like uh made out of the cheapest wood possible and they're just they look nice but the functionality of them is really like yeah to be desired so it's kind of i was like oh there's such a niche for yeah someone to come up with an idea that have a bee hotel that actually works um using in a responsible sort of manner so yeah i've kind of i've piloted this one and i've been experimenting a fair bit but it's coming into winter now so i'm going to wait till spring to really kind of launch these but um yeah so they're called b backpacker Um, i just started a little instagram if anyone wants to follow it but um yeah it's just a it's literally just a block of aussie hardwood um kind of sourced from one of the mills around uh, locally to us and then I've drilled really specific sized holes and depths that's the main thing that people seem to get wrong with the bee hotels is they're not drilling deep enough into the wood um, or their the holes are too big so you see a lot of bee hotels with these massive bits of bamboo in them um, but the Australian bees really kind of max out around the 10 um, 10 mil diameter sort of thing in your bee hotel so yeah so you want to have at least like a couple of different size holes and they want to be at least 10 to kind of 15 centimeters deep um which is quite hard to do in a bit of hard wood (laughs) like at the start i like must have gone through so many drill bits just trying to get yeah get the drilling right and kind of not go too fast or not too slow um just to get that kind of yeah right but yeah like it's it seems silly but it's like yeah Australian bees love Australian hardwood it's kind of it's something that yeah you go oh why didn't we think of that earlier but yeah so yeah it's I'm really kind of excited about that and one of the things that I was like if I'm doing this I want to give back somehow to the local bee population so what I'm doing is every time someone will buy one of these we're going to go put one out in kind of the local bush somewhere or I yeah a couple of the farms that I store my bees at they've got um like just little natural re- regeneration areas uh so we'll put them in there or or we'll and we give them to schools and and that sort of thing just to try and introduce kids to the wide world of bees because yeah there's like I think there's over 1700 or something native solitary bees in Australia and they're they're so colorful and yeah just amazing different diverse creatures uh,
1: no, that's great. We'll uh we'll hook you up with Crystal. She's in Gladstone. She's Vine Australia. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah sweet. So, uh,
1: I'm sure she could uh sell them on fee. but um, yeah. she gets herself sorted. Uh no, I I I I think that's class that you're basically you you buy one, you give one away free, and i not gonna have to be. That's that's a that's a great idea. Um okay. yeah, so basically that's uh what's your plan now for the next going forward? have you any plans for the future
0: world domination Uh, yeah world domination (laughs) Uh, yeah like i've got lots of plans like we've just had our yeah our fifth child so i'm kind of trying to take things slowly just over this next period and enjoy yeah just the the blessing of um kind of having young kids and that sort of thing but yeah i hope to in the future put together uh, an online sort of native bee education resource, because there's not really uh, a well thought out version of that uh, that I know about anyway. Um, there could well be. But <laughs> yeah, I just want to, like, I sell native beehives, and so I want I want people to go and have resources that they can um, go back to if they want to learn more about the bees that they've got in their backyard. Um, yeah, I've just found... Like a lot of online forums are great places to learn, but they can be just yeah really kind of um, uh, repetitive, or they can they can be just dominant people in there that just push one agenda and one opinion and that's it. Like I really want to put together a resource that yeah like opens up to all different ways of managing bees rather than just this is the holy grail of um, native beekeeping. Um, Yeah, so that's my main focus. Like, I mean, the native bee industry is still emerging. So like the native bee honey is another interesting area um, that is kind of uh, just developing. People really like focus on Manuka honey as being like medicinal, like a medicine sort of food. But yeah, native bee honey is kind of said to have been kind of nearly on similar or higher grade uh, medicinal value. So, yeah, as more study happens about the antimicrobial benefits and that sort of thing, um, hopefully the, the market will increase there. And same with the propolis, like the wax and all, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it's really, it's hard to know where it will end up. Um, but, yeah, I want to keep keep doing my preschool and school workshops. That seems to be a real, gives me a real buzz anyway, going to schools and trying to introduce them into, um, yeah into bees at a young age so that it's like they're not scared of insects like a lot of kids grow up these days just kind of just want to kill every second insect that appears like it's like and half of them yeah mean us no harm like so yeah it's just trying to trying to do that yeah because um, they all yeah.
1: need protective because I I remember in in the 1980s if you if we went to the beach and I remember the car uh the headlights being covered in bugs and yep. like uh no that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah and it's yeah like, it's like the biodiversity the bugs have gone like there there was like millions and millions of bugs and it's like it just doesn't happen
0: anymore it's... yeah yeah well even like i like i'm even noticing the amount of kids being stung by a honeybee these days in australia is just seems to be so less like it's just like even though lots of people have been taking up keeping honeybees like since the flow hive has kind of come into existence like it still seems like kids that yeah that the the bugs just aren't hanging around (laughs) well they're yeah they're off somewhere else at the moment anyway yeah Uh, i love yeah the other thing i'm really passionate about like just to harp on for a little bit longer but um yeah i've just realized how much beekeeping is a really multi-skilled job like to be able to like you've got to be a woodworker to make hives um you've got to be a business person to be able to add up the money to make sure that you're actually making money and not just (laughs) like yeah running into yeah into debt Um, and then you've got to be hands-on skilled with the bees you've got to understand um different flora um and and how it all interacts so like I'd really love to in the future, if the education system in Australia adopts it, is trying to connect uh, lots of different areas in a school to work together. Um, so you might get the business kids that are studying business to set up a um, even a, even a legit, legitimate business where they're selling the honey or the empty hives that are produced by the woodworking students. Um, and then the gardening, the agriculture students are looking after the bees and they'll harvest the honey. And then, so it's, and the food tech or like the food production, um, yeah, we'll be like bottling it up and jarring it. And then people will be marketing it. So you like, instead of the education system being completely separate, it's trying to tie it all together around a common purpose. So I think that would be just like amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, Cause I just class. wish, I, I just wish like at school that yeah agriculture or that or permaculture would have been validated as a career path like it's just like yeah a lot of the times you, you just wouldn't have been taken seriously if you said oh yeah I want to be a farmer when I grow up like <laughs> at school it would be like oh why do you want to do that like but it's like it's perfectly valid and we need more of them so it's like let's we've got to start where the kids are and yeah hopefully yeah oh, I progress. Think that's
1: class I, I I'd want to go to that school <laughs> <laughs> I definitely uh that as class. I think it's good that you're thinking like that as well. They tie that on. And, uh, let's hope that we can all do that. Um, mm. So back to the the. So you uh, sort of must out in that one. The, you, you create the value added products as well. The honey and the wax. Do you do you manufacture that yourself as well?
0: Yeah, I've just started. Like a lot of my focus had been on yeah propagating bees up to this point, but yeah, I'm really starting to think like the honey is yeah somewhere where that um where the future of, of native bees is going to be. Um, and yeah, I always keep kind of a jar of it around home, but it's just, it's, it's hard to justify it because like literally like a tiny little jar like that is potentially worth like a hundred bucks because they produce such a small amount of honey. Um, the value is yeah, relative. So they'll produce a kilo a year. Whereas a honeybee hive in Australia might produce 60 to 80 kilos. So it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a really different sort of product. So you've kind of got to market it differently. Um, and people have got to understand the, the kind of specialness of um, yeah, of the product. So, but yeah, yeah. also like it's, um, yeah, it's still just in that phase where we don't have enough solid facts about the honey. So it's, it is to some degree hard to sell it as a medicinal honey. Because manuka has its different ratings and it's such an accepted product now, um, so we're really just kind of finding our feet in that sort of regard.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. But hundred 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 dollars probably top my <laughs> uh, It's it's me. crazy. But uh,
0: like like I'll sell it to people, and they like you might only like if you've got um, like dermatitis or something, you might only use a really small amount. Um, every couple of days on on a skin condition or um, yeah, trying to think. or or on cut. Like if you get a cut, you can use it on um, on cuts. You can eat it, and it's really quite like an amazing flavour. Um, it just tastes like the Australian bush. Like yeah, it's it's still got the sweetness of normal honey, but it's um, there's just that added depth. Like you kind of th- compare it to like a like yeah, an aged scotch or something compared to just uh, um yeah beer straight up like yeah it's just a you you've got to try it if you're ever in australia (laughs) make sure you try some
1: (laughs) yeah no that's definitely definitely on the bucket list um mark that's great have you anything else you'd want to add that we must do you think
0: oh i don't know i think we've covered covered yeah quite a good Uh, good amount like yeah if anyone wants to kind of yeah learn more um they can kind of yeah, visit my website or there's heaps of information now um, about native bees particularly for people in like the northern rivers area of new south wales we're hoping to start a, a branch of like a national association soon um, to try and connect beekeepers um, so that we can you know, just help each other out and unite maybe over different causes so if we want to help repopulate because our area suffered like crazy bushfires and floods in the last five years um so it'd be yeah it'd be great to have a, a whole team of people to yeah kind of unite and hopefully put some more bees out into those areas that got just absolutely smashed
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah if, that's if, about, you, like. if you can give me them links i'll put them in the under the description yeah, awesome and then people can find you we forgot they actually mentioned your name which i love
0: oh it's yeah my wife came up with it it's no stings attached so yeah Uh, it's kind of it takes people a bit to get it because I'll see my car and my car's got it written on the side like no no stings attached and everyone's like what's no strings attached like maybe uh, I'm like no no stings like the bees don't sting and then they're like ah I get it now. yeah I
1: I should have mentioned that at the start because I thought it was
0: brilliant yeah Uh, no it's really cool and the other one this one I'm actually pretty proud of too but it's like, because solitary bees nest um, by themselves, they don't function as like a hive of bees. Um, this one's called the bee backpacker. It's kind of like they'll come and you're, you're just providing the habitat in your backyard and the bees will come in and stay for yeah a period and then they fly off and all the bees hatch. So you kind of, yeah, that's my other little play on words.
1: Oh, very good. You, you've, uh, <laughs> you've definitely named the names, haven't I? Nailed the names, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. uh Mark, thanks very much for joining us. Uh it's no been very, it's been really interesting. And uh uh I wish you all the best and we'll keep in touch.
0: Yep, sweet. Cheers, uh, thanks for having me.
1: Thank you. Uh so guys, uh thanks very much for listening. Uh it's been Mark Payne, those things attached, and if all the links are in the show notes. Cheers.
0: Cheers.